Hey everybody, how y'all doing? I'm Mike, joined by Alex as always. How's it going? And this is Fall New Blockles, the podcast about the new game plot lines and how they have a tendency to go off the rails. And as you could probably tell from the fact that we're actually recording an episode, uh, my apartment hasn't burned down. So hey! Hooray! That means more content for you, more talking about old video games. And we got a real interesting one today, Alex. Uh, mm. But first, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Doing pretty good. Good, good. Good, good. Well, it's summer now. It's hot outside, or at least it was at it one was, point. It was, and now it's not. It is not. Yeah, I wore a jacket yesterday morning, which was strange. But in the very, very brief time that was hot, I really had a hankering for ice cream, Alex. Mm. Mm-hmm. And there's not really a whole lot of these around. They still do exist, but like, I really loved ice cream trucks. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. Do you have, like, a favorite thing to get from, like, the ice cream trunk, truck when you're a kid? Like, what kind of, like, themed pop would you get? Right. Uh, so I'm trying to remember, because there was only one ice cream truck around mm. when I was a kid. It was at one of the nearby parks uh, mm. it would make stops at. And I want to say that I would get the uh, Chippendale ice cream pops oh. from them. Yeah, good. Solid choice. Solid choice. Got the gumball eyes and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad. I was always a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles pop guy. Mm, yep, those, those, those ones were great because it's very clear that the machine was never aligned properly. Yeah, oh yeah. So, like, the mask that was on the turtles would never go over their eyes. It would mm-hmm. always be crooked in some way, in a way yep. that's like, I don't even know how this even works. Like, you figured you would fix this after the first couple of batches. And it was always misaligned in different ways, too. Yeah, that's like, the fun part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... Like, those, those, like, you know, ice cream uh, pops were always, like, pretty, pretty terrible. Like, mm-hmm. the gum never really lasted particularly long. The yeah. ice cream was barely ice cream. It was more just ice, really. Yeah, ice and sugar and some milk, technically. Yeah, theoretically, anyways. Mm-hmm. Not, not enough that would spoil if it was, say, right. in a freezer for a particularly long time. Mm-hmm. But it really got me to thinking about, like, you know, what are some of the most famous ice cream trucks in history? Hmm. And like, mostly it's ice cream trucks in video games, more specifically. Oh, and no. I can only think of two, Alex. Uh-huh. One is the ice cream truck from Vice City that has easily the worst mission in the game. <laughs> uh, where you have to deliver, I think it's like a hundred. Uh, you have to basically make a hundred like, ice cream stops, which is just you giving drugs and then mm-hmm. not get caught by the cops if you right. want to get that property. Uh and the second is, of course, going to be today's topic, which, given that you groaned, I think you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh, yes. Twisted Metal. Twisted Everyone's metal. favorite edgy uh, video game series that <laughs> somehow is still an ongoing concern. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Alex, sounds like you're familiar with Twisted Metal. I am mo- mostly familiar from the outside. The only one of the games I played was Twisted Metal Black hmm. on the PS2. Yeah, arguably the best one. Yeah, and I'm trying. I didn't play it very much because I'm. I'm trying to remember what exactly version I played. If that makes sense, because for some reason I feel like there were two versions of Black. So yes and no. Um, Yes, in the sense of that it was ported to the PlayStation Three. Uh huh. So you could have possibly played that. but I, I think there was just, like, one single version for the PlayStation 2. Right. And, yeah, and I 
literally can't remember which version I played. Hmm. Um, I feel like I own it, but also only played it once. Hmm. And I went, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's a video game. That sounds good. Yeah, things have happened in there. We did we did the thing. We played this car combat game that is mm-hmm. a little one note, and now we have moved on with our lives. Yep, yep. I I picked a car and I shot guns from that car. I blew up the Eiffel Tower. That yep. was fun. That was very impressive back in, on the PlayStation. Yeah, that's more or less my experience with Twisted Metal. I know a shocking amount about Twisted Metal <laughs> for something that for a game series where I've owned exactly zero games. Mm. Uh, though I have extensively played Twisted Metal 2 mm-hmm. and played a little bit of Twisted Metal 1 and 3. Uh, both games well after they came out and I was like, wow, these this is not good at all. Mm-hmm. We were we were in this into this collectively as a, as a society for a good five years. It is one of those like PlayStation classics in there mm-hmm. with stuff like Siphon Filter jumps to mind and mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you know what? Let's just throw Warhawk on that pile of like, yeah. By modern standards, they're not good games at all. But you no. look at it and you're like, this must have been a fascinating game to make at some point. Oh, absolutely. There absolutely. must be a story behind this game because there is just some sort of gravity to this. Hmm. Oh, and you would be totally right about that, Alex, because today's episode is basically just talking about the development and history of Twisted Metal. Mm-hmm. With you know, The further episodes, of course, being about the plot and whatnot, because I'm going to posit something that it, it may or may not be controversial. But mm-hmm. I think Twisted Metal may be one of the most important series ever made. Mm-hmm. I think that's a little bit of a hot take, but I think I can make an argument for it. Okay, yeah, that's... I'm I'm certainly open to believing that. A lot of times in video games, the quality or even lasting impact of a video game is completely detached from like its impact as a product or yeah. period in in the industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is definitely a game that hit right place, right time. If it feels a few years before, it feels a few years after. It would not have had nearly the same impact. Mm-hmm. And. A lot of it has to do, once again, with the timing of when it came out and for the company that owns the IP to that, Sony. Like, So just to jump right into here, as mentioned again, Twisted Metal is a shockingly important series for not only its publishers, Sony, but also for video games at large. Now, once again, I think this is a bit of a hot take, and I think anybody listening to this podcast who isn't old as hell, you might find <laughs> this statement to be a bit weird. Especially if you've seen any footage of the original Twisted Metal, or really even modern Twisted Metals, because it's basically an edgy car combat game, which was clunky as hell to play back in the day, and it's only gotten worse with age. Mm-hmm. No Twisted Metal game has aged well. <laughs> with that being said, it's going to be responsible for three things, and we'll go into detail more of all three of these. The first is it's going to kickstart a new genre of video games, the car combat genre. A series that's going to feature such games like Carmageddon, Vigilante 8, and WWE Crush Hour. <laughs> I forgot there was a WWE car combat game. Oh, you can never forget about the WWE car combat game. Oh, wrestling's so stupid. Oh, it's so, so stupid. I, 
we may actually talk about Crush Hour, so I, mm. just like the plot of the game on this uh-huh. series at one point, because it is so stupid. Because the <laughs> premise of that game is that the WWE has basically taken over entertainment, and basically TV <laughs> is nothing but individual channels of like wrestlers having like cooking shows and stuff. <laughs> it's wild. I love it. I love it. Uh, Vince McMahon's dystopian dream. Right? It's a fascinating window. So the second thing that's this that's gonna be this game is gonna be responsible for is gonna kickstart the career of creator David Jaffe, mm-hmm. which is going to be quite important for Sony's continued success even to this day, despite the fact that he doesn't work for the company anymore. Right. But I think the most important point is gonna be point number three. It, alongside games such as Wipeout and Warhawk, are going to be instrumental in Sony's successful co-opting of their competitor Sega's strongest marketing point for their own products. Mm. The idea that their games and systems are for cool and adult gamers, unlike mm. the lame kitty games Nintendo and Sega were putting out. Because this game is 100% like edgy aesthetic. Right. Yo, listen, man, we doodled these cool things in our notebook about <laughs> you know, old ladies exploding. I listened <laughs> to Guar for the first time. Like, this game is 100% that. Now, we're going to talk about all three of these points as we get into the development history of Twisted Metal, a series whose main character is a clown man who is on fire, and half the time you can't even play as him. (laughs) (laughs) It is hilarious that the main character is like half the games you have to unlock him with a cheat code. He's not Mm -hmm. even selectable right off the bat. (laughs) Uh, How how do you feel about Sweet Tooth as an aside? (laughs) I don't feel anything about him. He is a, cl- Same. He's a killer clown who's on fire. <laughs> like, that's the extent of who and what he is. There's nothing to feel. <laughs> oh, buddy. When we get into the next episode, you're going to okay. find out they're going to really want you to care about So this, this is, I, I do have to raise, I am somewhat surprised we're talking about Twisted Metal. I'm down, of course. Mm-hmm. But I am kind of surprised because I wasn't aware that Twisted Metal had a plot. Oh, oh let me tell you, it's stupid, but yeah, it does. And then my follow-up question is, why does Twisted Metal have a plot? How is that necessary? Now, that is now that is the fascinating question. <laughs> Why does it have a plot? And the answer is going to be somebody's just really into the devil, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and also genies. Like uh. the series involves a lot of genies, essentially, and wishes that go wrong. And then they just wanted to write stuff about people being ironic, I guess. It's Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. You, you know what? It. It, that simultaneously makes no sense and perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a, it's definitely a series that starts out with what if car combat was cool uh-huh. and things exploded, and then by Twisted Metal Black, they're like, what if we explored the psyche of Sweet Tooth and Calypso? And it's like, what if you didn't? <laughs> what what if you maybe didn't do that ever? <laughs> You really don't have to do that. We got it. You really like Pennywise the Clown. You <laughs> wanted to reinvent Sweet Tooth so he's like him. That's gotcha. Cool. We don't need this. <laughs> oh, but yeah, let's jump into the development of this. Now, in order to get this started, we need to talk about the state of the video game industry around the launch of the PlayStation in late 1994, early 1995. Around this time, the two major players in the hardware space were Nintendo and Sega, right? Mm-hmm. And they've been duking it out with their systems, the Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis, respectively, for the better part of five years. Right. 
Now, despite Nintendo being the kings of the video game industry back in, the 19, in 1990, Sega managed to gain a significant amount of market share and even a market lead in North America due to a number of different factors. But one particularly key one, they put a ton of effort and reaped a ton of reward by showing that their hardware and games were not only fun, but for cool, mature kids and teenagers, as opposed to Nintendo, whose products were old and for babies. <laughs> First-party games such as Sonic the Hedgehog and Comic Zone, alongside third-party titles like Mutant League Football, went a long way to proving their point. This is particularly true for something like Mutant League Football, for instance, which was an incredibly violent and edgy take on already violent sport that was not only visually impressive, but fun and different from most football games out there. Like, mm -hmm. they were able to put out games that were fun to play, were a twist on existing genres, and made people feel like they were adults, or what teenagers think adults are right. like, anyways. And that, I think, is going to be kind of a recurring theme, is these aren't actually mature, they are what immature people think mature is. Exactly. Exactly. And we're going to get into why that is in a second. But first, this brief bit of, bit of dominance that Sega had is not going to last long. By 1994, Nintendo is going to reassert itself as leaders of the industry, largely mm -hmm. due to consistently good software for Nintendo's own Super Nintendo platform, and Sega's own missteps in their attempts to capitalize on their early success, such as the <laughs> Sega 32X or the Sega CD and whatnot. Oh, Sega has never held a victory it couldn't fumble. It really hasn't. And for as much as like, it's like, well, I guess maybe it's not really necessarily true nowadays for how long Sega fans were like really kowtowing about how Sega mm -hmm. was like the best. When you really look back on it, it was like two years in one yeah. region that Sega was like, yeah, we're the best. Yeah, their their glory was bright, but short. Very, very short. And then they're like, what if we don't make a Sonic game for the <laughs> Sega, Sega Saturn? What if we put all the processors into the Sega Saturn, <laughs> but none of them can really work together well? Uh, but yeah, Sega. what Sega did the, in those early years, though, to establish that dominance was provide the blueprint for upending the industry for any newcomer who showed up. If you could provide a product that was perceived as cool and edgy and backed it up with software that reinforced that point, you had a path to quick success at this point in time. Now, this is probably the most obvious statement, like literally business 101 thing you mm -hmm. can make about selling a product. I'm not going to deny that. But it's an important thing to remember in the context where video games were at this point. Because in terms of mainstream video games, that was still young and new. Like right. video games as an industry, like was like what we think of as a modern video game industry was maybe about 10 years old at this point. If right. you go with, like, the release of the Nintendo Entertainment System back in 1985. Right. And Nintendo had effectively been the king of it the entire time. Exactly. Exactly. And video games for the longest time were known to be a kid's hobby. A kid's mm -hmm. hobby that eventually they're theoretically going to grow out of, right? So, right. And at least the kid aspect was mostly true. Like, a lot of kids played video games. And when you really think about it, six-year-olds who played Super Mario Brothers when it first came out in 1985... We're going to be 13-year-olds with far different taste in 1992 when Sonic the Hedgehog 2 comes out for the Sega Genesis. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to be 16 when the PlayStation and Twisted Metal comes out in 1995. So this is the reason why Sony is going to have a golden opportunity here. If they can make something that's edgy and cool, you know, something that has a hard edge to it, mm -hmm. it's going to mean it's going to be like the perfect thing to come out for this generation that's now going to be anywhere from between 15 to like say 25 
Like mm. if you include like people who like were into like arcade, the arcade scene, in, like the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s. Mm-hmm. So Twisted Metal's Hard Edge is going to make it the perfect game to come out at the perfect time for Sony. A company is going to be desperately looking for software in order to help push this new product of theirs. With all that being said, it's going to be an uphill battle for Twisted Metal to even come out. Because I don't know if you know this, Alex, but prior to 1995, Sony didn't exactly have a whole lot of experience developing games. Yeah. Now, they did have experience in the gaming industry by publishing games via their subsidiary Sony ImageSoft. And we're going to talk about them now. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever heard of ImageSoft? Uh, it sounds familiar. I don't know a lot about them. There's a decent chance that if you ever rented games from Blockbuster mm-hmm. when you were like 10, year old, 10 years old or something uh-huh. like that. I did. You, yeah, you probably like rented like something like, I don't know, Cliffhanger or some other like licensed movie game for the Super Nintendo or the Genesis or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's a decent chance they were responsible for publishing one of those games. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Sony ImageSoft is not going to have a good reputation. Mm. So they were a company that was based in Los Angeles, California, that published games for primarily, though not exclusively, Nintendo platformers, uh, particularly the Super Nintendo and the Game Boy. Established in 1989, they're responsible for some good games like Mickey Mania, and Skyblazer for the Super Nintendo. Okay, yeah. But they're also responsible for a lot more bad games, like Cliffhanger mm. and Ground Zero Texas, that FMV banger for the Sega CD. <laughs> now, Sony ImageSoft is a bit forgotten at this point, but this company is important for a few things. Uh, they're important for the fact that this is actually going to be Sony, how Sony begins this partnership with the British developer Psygnosis, mm. which is going to be very instrumental to both of those companies' successes, Psygnosis mm-hmm. being, of course, of the Wipeout and Colony Wars fame on mm-hmm. the PlayStation, as well as the fact that once the PlayStation was a released product, they were folded into Sony Computer Entertainment America, Sony's you know, interactive uh, studios in America, right? where their publishing experience would be very important to the su- success of the PlayStation brand. What's most important for our story is the fact that they did actually participate in the development of some of these games, and very limited like chunks uh-huh. like their employees would act as play testers and sometimes even designers in certain situations hmm. and one of these designers is a man by the name of david jaffe alex have you heard of uh, david jaffe yes i have i think I most people have. have yeah yeah jaffe nowadays is more known for some really stupid hot takes on twitter <laughs> yeah uh, and for just generally being kind of abrasive yeah but in terms of importance to the gaming industry, he occupies a bit of an odd spot in, let's just call it video games Mount Olympus. Mm-hmm. Like, he's obviously not near that top, uh, mostly because he doesn't have a ton of contributions in terms of games he was involved in. Right. I, in fact, like, for the amount of time he's actually going to spend at Sony, like, the better part of 15 years, I believe, uh, he's somehow only going to have, like, six or seven games to his name. Mm-hmm. But the few times he is going to be in the credits for something, it's going to be for something very impactful. Right. To the point that you can make a decent argument, Sony is not where it is today without him. Like, I'm not a big person to be like, okay, listen, like, this one person is responsible for this game or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like, Hideo Kojima is important for Metal Gear, but he is not Metal Gear, for instance. Right. But, and David Jaffe is going to be kind of a similar thing where it's like, 
you probably could have made a twisted metal without David Jaffe, but a lot of his DNA, mm-hmm. a lot of the style that game has is clearly from him. Right. Mostly because he's going to continue to be making games that are basically like Twisted Metal and Aesthetic all the way up to 2017. So when it's well past its prime. Mm-hmm. So a little bit about Jaffe is that he was born in 1971 in Birmingham, Alabama. And Alex, like many people in the gaming industry in the 90s, he really wanted to make movies when he grew up. Mm. So he attended the University of Southern California and upon graduating, immediately tried to break into Hollywood as a film director. Which, I'm sure there was a few more steps in between that, but that seems really ambitious. Yeah, I mean, you, you gotta go for it, I guess. You just take your shot, see what happens. Yeah, shoot your shot, see what happens. And, unfortunately for Jaffe, it sounds like it was kind of an abysmal failure. Mm. But in about the four years or so he's going to try to make this work, he's going to get a job at Sony ImageSoft as a game tester in 1993, just to kind of make ends meet. Mm-hmm. Now, Jaffe liked video games. He didn't really see it as a career at this point. Mm-hmm. But he was like, hey, I can basically just sit here and play video games all day and earn money. That's cool. And then they immediately had him play test the game Cliffhanger, which uh, Cliffhanger for the Super Nintendo, it's <laughs> barely complete. It is a barely complete video game. So that was a real trial by fire when it comes to determining if, if you're going to work in the video game industry in full time. Right. Because like you play this and be like... I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Yeah, mm, the, the video game industry can be pretty dark. It turns out it can be. But apparently for Jaffe, this was okay. And apparently he was good enough at his job that by the following year, he was promoted to a designer for the game Mickey Mania. Hmm. I don't exactly know what he did in Mickey Mania, but he did something in there. And apparently... Uh-huh. That impressed his bosses enough at Sony by 94 that when he started looking for people to help helm their first batch of in-house developed games, in-house is going to be heavy air quotes as we're going to find out, Right. they tapped David Jaffe for one of those jobs. So, dang, that's a pretty quick turnaround. Out of Mm -hmm. college in 93, get a job as a tester. Two years later, very important launch for our new product in North America. Let's get this new guy to just basically helm one of our games. Sure. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Gaming industry... Wild West back then, as I've sure said was. many times on this. Mm-hmm. So, Alex, I don't know about if you know this about David Jaffe, but he's a bit of a troublemaker. Yeah, he's... I've heard. <laughs> and this is going to be a bit of a problem during his time at uh, Sony, what is now, what is then called Sony Interactive Studios America. Mm-hmm. Now, I have a hard time pinning down exactly what he did to, like, wrinkle feathers, but it seems that he was known as being a bit of an opinionated dick. <laughs> Uh, apparently, he, employees under him would regularly complain to upper management that he was just kind of hard to work with. Mm. Um, and he, a lot of this seems to stem from his opinions on American-developed games. Because he was a tester on both Skyblazer, a good game developed by a Japanese company, mm-hmm. and Cliffhanger, a game developed by an American company that, as we established, was barely complete. He basically said, boy... Japanese-developed games seem rad. Why can't American-developed games suck less? (laughs) Now, in my humble opinion, around this time, he's not wrong. Yeah, no, he's got got a point for the state of things at the time. It's like Western-developed games that are good. It's like Blizzard has a a good track record and Rare. Like, especially if you're not including PC games. Mm -hmm. If you're mainly talking console games, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like you say, it's it's rare and 
I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like, you know, you can't blame him for having this opinion. The problem is, though, is that he's going to be very vocal about it. And mm-hmm. he's going to be... Sp- and here's the thing about Sony. They don't really have their own internal development studio around this time. It's not mm-hmm. quite established yet. Mm-hmm. Which means their plan is that they were going to get outside developers to fill in the gap. Right. Basically have a third party develop a Sony published game that Sony would own the IP rights to. These companies were going to be American. And mm-hmm. you can see why Jaffe's notably vocal opinion of these developers was going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. They did not want to work with somebody who is like, you suck. By the way, do you want to work on this game with uh, this guy helming uh, your team? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> he's going to be in charge of your team. You're cool with that, right? <laughs> yeah, bit of an issue. It's a bit of an issue. So needless to say, um, Jaffe apparently went to a couple of these meetings with a couple of developers and they went completely terribly. So one reason or another, though, Sony's going to stick with Jaffe, despite the fact that he can't help but create problems for himself. Mm. And so they hit upon an idea. What if they just hired a company that had no experience making games, but still had experience working with computer graphics? Because Sony's big thing is that they were going to be the first, like, really, truly 3D computerized graphic console and whatnot. Uh And so, like, well, what if we just had a team that was really good at working in that space, had Jaffe come in there, lead that team, whip him to shape when it comes to game development, and then have them just put out a game? That seems like it could go really terribly. It seems like it could. It's going to be a miracle that it doesn't. <laughs> now, and the idea, whole idea behind it is that since Javi hadn't basically directly insulted these people, they'd be willing to work with them, right? right. Now, it turns out Sony had the com- perfect company in mind for this. A Salt Lake City, Utah-based company by the name of Evans & Sutherland. Alex, I'm sure you've not heard of this company before. No. They are shockingly important. Hmm. They may be one of the most influential tech companies to ever exist. Uh, they were founded in 1968, and they immediately got behind the idea that uh, computer graphics and computer simulations were going to be the future. To that end, they're responsible for some of the earliest computerized flight simulators ever created, like all the way back in 1972. Huh. Yeah. Wow. And the people they employed were going to go on to be some of the most important people in this space. Uh, these include people like Jim Clark, the founder of SGI, whose Silicon Graphics computers were all the rage in the 90s for game development. That's mm-hmm. famously what helped develop like Donkey Kong and whatnot. Right. Uh, Ed Catmull, the founder of Pic- co-founder of Pixar, mm. was an employee of theirs. Huh. And John Warnock, the co-founder of Adobe, was like wow. one of their employees. Yeah. They're very, very important. Even if by the time the 90s rolled around, their best days had clearly been behind them. Mm-hmm. They still exist to this day, by the way. They mostly make planetarium equipment now. Huh. Uh, Well, you find a niche. Yeah, you find a niche. Honestly, kind of neat. Yeah. I like planetariums. I do too. So Jaffe and two two others, uh, fellow developer Mike Guillaume and their boss Alan Becker, flew to Salt Lake City to meet with the developers at uh, 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 Evans of Sutherland. Now... This um, meeting was not a complete disaster, which was a good thing because Jaffe was basically told beforehand, this doesn't go well, you're probably going to be out. (laughs) (laughs) And they were actually really taken by the people at uh, Evans and Sutherland. Hmm. They were really, really good at working in the 3D space. And as they drove back to their hotel, uh, the three would throw ground game ideas to each other because they're like, man, we're so excited about this. What what if we did this? What if we did Mm -hmm. that? And... 
they ended up getting stuck in traffic. <laughs> and supposedly, <laughs> it's at this time that Jaffe, and I am heavily paraphrasing this, basically said, it'd be really cool if they could just blow the traffic out of the way of rockets and machine guns, huh, and just drive through this. And supposedly, everyone in the car thought this idea had potential. And Twisted Metal was born. And by Twisted Metal, I mean Battle Cars. <laughs> <laughs> An objectively terrible name. Yep, it's not good. It's not good. <laughs> this game is going to have like four names before you like eventually settle on um, on Twisted Metal. Mm-hmm. Like literally, it'd be like one day, it's just going to be like Road Fury or whatever. And then the <laughs> next day, it's going to just be like, I guess it'd be Twisted Metal. I don't know. And then something else. And then back to Twisted Metal. It's ridiculous. But so they go back to L.A. and Battle Cars was proposed and immediately greenlit, probably because literally David Jaffe's boss was there. I was like, hey, it was cool. Yes, of course, we're going to greenlight this. <laughs> However, they're going to immediately run into an issue right off the bat. And that issue is Evans and Sutherland. So, Alex, I don't know if you know this about Utah, mm-hmm. but it's incredibly Mormon. I do know that. Yes. And part of the thing about being very Mormon is that you're not really into things that glorify sex and violence. Yep. This is going to be a slight problem when Sony pitches the idea of battle cars to the developers at Evans and Sutherland. And it was like, this is going to be about a game that where people blow up in cars. Mm-hmm. And they instead come back with, what if we made it a pizza delivery simulator instead? Uh-huh. <laughs> Which is funny to me because I don't know how <laughs> I, don't I don't know how you pivot between those two ideas, but okay. Yeah, I don't I don't know if that's going to set the industry on fire and sell a million of your new console. Probably not. I mean, I personally wish it would, but it's probably not going to happen. Probably not. I <laughs> So that so that feels like a very like Super Nintendo or even NES era like oh, what if you were a pizza delivery and you've delivered pizzas and that's the game. Yeah, right? Yeah, like just, yeah, just something that just like a random developer just like kind of like threw out there because like nobody knew what sold and they were just like, right. I don't know, what if it's about unicycles? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that totally makes sense and would make sense for this era, which uh, thankfully though, uh, Sony Computer Entertainment America was like, no, we're going to go with the violent sex car option. <laughs> now, I don't exactly know what happens next. Uh, the development history of Twisted Metal is a little all over the place. Mm. But what I do know is that Evans and Sutherland is going to back out of developing this game. Mm. And okay. instead of what's going to happen is that a bunch of developers and managers from Evans and Sutherland are basically just going to leave and form their own independent company called Single Track. Mm. Uh, Alex, are you familiar with Single Track at all? I don't think so. Hmm, interesting. Uh, Single Track for me, is one of the two companies that define the PlayStation era, alongside uh-huh. Neversoft. Okay. Like, very similar aesthetics, you know, very, like, punk rock to metal sort of right, aesthetic. Right, right. Uh, known for making very fun, defining games for the PlayStation. Uh-huh. And single track, even though they're only going to last for five years, uh, they're going to put out a ton of games and be very instrumental to the PlayStation's success. Because on top of doing, like, Twisted Metal, they're going to also be the Warhawk people. Uh, they're mm. also going to do Jet Moto. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so games that really established that the Sony PlayStation was where the cool kids were. Right, okay, so these are the guys who left the Mormon church and picked up punk rock. Exactly, exactly. So right away, Sony's going to make things difficult for them. 
they're going to first off be like, okay, Jaffe is going to have to lead this team. And they're like, okay, fine, whatever. We've sure. already got a good relationship with them. Kind of, it's, it's a weird situation where Jaffe's not going to be employed by single track, but he's going to lead the team there. It's, right. very, it's a very strange situation. Yeah, and it, it, the way that Sony went about this phase in general kind of makes for a lot of those strange situations. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You are making our game for us. Mm-hmm. And it's our game, but you're making it. Yeah. And you're still an independent company, but, you know, we're, we're going right. to own all the IP rights to this. Unless yeah. we don't. Yeah, which sometimes happens. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of... It's, it's really weird because there's a lot of games in the PlayStation era that are, like, so, like, tied to that brand that mm-hmm. they just straight up don't own, like, Crash yeah. Bandicoot and whatnot. Right. It's, yeah, it's the funniest thing. Like, oh, uh, we finally, Sony has its own Smash Bros. Look at all the classic PlayStation characters, not Crash or Spyro, though. Because <laughs> those aren't ours. It's white guy with shaved head number one with white guy <laughs> with shaved head number two. <laughs> so, wow, Naughty Dog really makes one kind of character when you don't make them make an orange bandicoot. Yeah, it turns out. <laughs> so yeah, there's there's that little little bit there. And it's very important to remember that once again, single track independent developer. Mm-hmm. Put a pin in that one. Mm. Uh, the second thing is that Sony is like, okay, you have to make two games for us within 12 months of the contract signing. So you got a year to make two video games. Oh boy. And return will give you $2 million in cash up front. Which, given that they're just a very brand new developer that probably mm-hmm. doesn't have a whole lot of money, I can see why they probably would, okay, yeah. we gotta do this, right? Yeah, no, it, that's like the devil's contract that of course you sign that. Mm-hmm. You'd be yep, crazy yep. not to. You would be crazy, yeah. Sony always falls into this thing of like, hey, we have this new project and we need games for it. We need you to make this just incredibly fast. Mm-hmm. We need this tomorrow. Get start now. Yeah, we um, we've been planning this whole uh, this whole PlayStation thing for a while, but uh, we didn't think you needed games for it. Yeah, until about a year before it comes out. <laughs> okay. Uh, maybe where's the dev kit? What? <laughs> we'll get back to you on that. Sorry, Sony of Japan didn't send us any dev kits, which means you're not getting any. <laughs> Oh, Sony is such a fucking mess of a company, man. The idea that they are theoretically the number one video game company around is nuts to me. Oh, it's (laughs) insane. Yeah, the reigning kings and just like every, every PlayStation is the same story Mm -hmm. of like, wait, crap, we need games. Ah. I just, what if there was a game where you shot fireworks? Fan- Fantavision, that's what Fantavision. we're gonna- Fantavision. Hey, yeah. uh, look, everyone, it's Returnal. Yeah, it's um, it's a roguelike. Do you kids like roguelikes still? You like aliens, right? Yeah, aliens are cool. Yeah, you play as this lady. It's cool. The, the, the spacesuit. The, the vibrations are insane. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, Sony is, they're amazing. They are. Like, they're... Like, a, like a lot of video game companies, it's mm-hmm. amazing they're successful. Yep. So, right away, this project's going to be very ambitious. It's going to be a car combat game with flight sim elements somewhere in the middle of it all. 
taking inspiration from Mario Kart's battle mode alongside Star Fox fighter combat gameplay. They're just like, what if we just mushed all of this together? Like, mm -hmm. the idea is that, like, the first, like, level, you could, like, either be cars on the ground or you could be, like, one of the planes in the sky shooting the cars. Mm -hmm. Like, it sounds cool as hell, but also, like, you don't have enough time to make this. No. No. And you you do not have enough time for two completely different vehicular styles. Yeah, you do not, especially because you technically need to make two games in 12 mm -hmm. months. So immediately, like, they're like, okay, we need to split these off into two separate projects. Right. And okay. that's exactly what they did. They took the flight sim elements and made it its own game. And that's going to become Warhawk. Okay, yep. And then they, yeah, and they took the car bits and made that Twisted Metal. And they said, okay, Jaffe, you're going to be in charge of this. Uh, somebody else is going to be in charge of the other one. And we're just going to go forward with this. Uh, and so, yeah, that's how that's how we ended up getting Warhawk, the game that every PlayStation fan tells you was so much better than Star Fox, even though none of them have actually played it. They're lying. Also, I have played Warhawk. It's <laughs> I don't know if I'd say it was bad, but I'm not ever going to play it again. I'll say that it's it's basic. It's very bit. Yes, it's incredibly basic. It is functional, but there's nothing interesting going on. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, It reminds me a lot of the game. I think it was like Starfighter or whatever it was for the PlayStation. Mm. Like that similar aesthetic of like, well, we made a game about flying and shooting things. Mm -hmm. There's not going to be a whole lot to this. A lot of flat shaded polygons, which I love that, that look. Yep. It's like it fell out of, like, an MS-DOS game. Or like, it was supposed yeah. to be like an MS-DOS game that somehow got magically ported to the PlayStation. Right. You yeah. are literally better off finding a way to get terminal velocity to run and mm -hmm. then saying, this genre from this era should probably just live in our memories. Yep. Pretty much. Pretty much. Now, we're obviously a little down on Warhawk, but you know yeah. what company wasn't? Mm. Sony. Yeah. Sony thought Warhawk was going to be the biggest thing in the world for the PlayStation. And to be fair, nowadays, I think they still think it was the biggest thing for the PlayStation, given how uh, often it keeps showing back up. Uh, like, every few <laughs> years, they want to let you know, hey, remember Warhawk? We do. We're not going to do anything with it, but we remember it. We tried that multiplayer game once, and it did not sell. Not okay, I will have to say... Starhawk was really good until they ruined it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like, Starhawk makes me actively mad. Was, How... Starhawk... was Starhawk the one that was like looked really impressive and then he went, you have to control it using the six axis? No, that was Warhawk. That was the PS3 that Warhawk. Was, that was the and, PS3 Warhawk, okay. And they backed down on it. They, I, I don't think they backed down on it for Lair, mm -hmm. but they did say for Warhawk, okay, you can use the stick. And that did help it was mm -hmm. still i would call ps3 warhawk underdeveloped yeah but it had cool ideas that starhawk delivered on mm -hmm. and starhawk ruled until they completely broke the balance with their P with their dlc oh really yeah and then they were like hey here's paid dlc that you can use in a match if you've paid for it, and if you haven't, oh, then you can't. No. And it also the DLC is so good that you must use it or you'll lose. Okay, yeah, that's bad. That's it's, bad. It was so bad, and it was oh, I guess this game is ruined now. Yeah, nope. That's that's no good. 
Nope. That's no good. It was not good. Great game. It's dead now. It's dead now. Yep. Oh, Sony. Well, Warhawk on the PlayStation was going to be huge. Mm-hmm. It Twisted Metal, they're like, well, it's just this sort of like weird launch game that we need to help pad out our North American launch lineup, you know? Mm-hmm. Not even going to actually make the launch of uh, the PlayStation. It's going to arrive like a month late, but whatever. It's going to be there. We need it out there. Right. And people will say, ooh, that's pretty. Exactly. And and to be fair, this perception was probably helped by the fact that Twisted Metal, for much of its development, was kind of a troubled project. Mm. First off, it just wasn't fun to play. Je- yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, <laughs> I mean, in hindsight, it's not much fun to play. But when during development, it was even worse. <laughs> it is. It, it, I imagine hits on the point of like every single early PlayStation game kind of didn't feel good to move around a 3D space. No, no, because they had no idea how to do that. And nobody thought that analog sticks were necessary on a controller. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, like, that's a problem. Uh, Jaffe's team had initially thought of the game uh, as being kind of like, not like Mario Kart's battle mode, but bigger. Like, it took inspiration mm-hmm. from that, certainly, but that wasn't their initial plan. Uh-huh. The idea was more like, what if Mortal Kombat, but cars? This is by the fact the game has no planned multiplayer mode at this state, by the way. Oh, that's insane. Yeah, so it's kind of more like, well, cars would just like kind of duel each other and they have different strengths and weaknesses. And Sony was kind of confused by this uh-huh. uh, to the point that they actually brought in a bunch of like Street Fighter players to test out the game. Because they're right. like, well, it's like a fighting game, right? And then they all hated it. They're like, this game sucks. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> and like, even like um, Sony of America's parent company, Sony of Japan, got in on this. Uh-huh. They're like, they took a look to see what they were developing. And like, wow, this game is like really violence and mm. they're like what if you made it less violent what if like instead of the gun shooting bullets you threw like fruit or something that'd be cool right <sighs> so i understand where sony as a japanese video game company mm-hmm. a, a new japanese video game company coming into the scene is coming from with that suggestion yeah first of all that's a bad suggestion mm-hmm. second of all their first suggestion should be hey what if you made this game fun yeah. <laughs> what if we did that? Like you can you can figure out the target audience later. You should make it fun first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be good. That'd be a good idea. <laughs> Just the note the note that they get back, make it fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But but also I'm still caught up in the idea that there's no playing multiplayer. Yeah, right. When your core concept is what if you had dueling actors with different strengths and weaknesses mm-hmm. like oh you mean the thing that's fun to do in multiplayer yeah right yeah like figuring out like how can you use everyone's strengths and minimize their weaknesses and all that and yeah exploit your opponents yeah yeah that thing that's fun when you when you duel people with it mm-hmm. yeah they're just like eh, what if we just didn't have that oh okay <laughs> sure yeah it's bad <laughs> Yeah, so the feedback was brutal, needless to say. And yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Like, apparently, Jaffe called up his wife, like, during his time, was like, I, I might need to find another job. I don't think it's mm. going to go well. Yeah. <laughs> now, with all that being said, they did retool the game to be more arena-based and less focused on the Mortal Kombat but cars aspect. Mm-hmm. 
fixed a bunch of technical issues, and were somehow able to get this game done within 12 months, and for a budget development budget of less than $1 million. That is really impressive. That is legit impressive. Um, I think the total development costs were $850,000, which, given, I think, like, financials came out from, like, Ubisoft that got leaked that saved, like, games, they're, like, games developing development for, like, a AAA title is, like, $200 million at this point. Sheesh. Like, yeah, it's kind of crazy that somebody could make a game that's going to be as big as this for mm-hmm. less than a million. That's nuts. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they kind of did all that. But, of course, being Twisted Metal, there's still a few curveballs before this game could be released. Mm. Now, the first is going to be a good one. Apparently, one weekend, a developer at Single Track apparently decided, boy, it'd be cool if multiplayer could work in this. <laughs> and he just kind of went in on the weekend and made it happen. How many games have effectively been saved by one or a few people being like, we should really have multiplayer. I bet it wouldn't be that hard. It's basically this and Goldeneye. At yeah. Least. Yeah. Because literally the same thing happened with Goldeneye, where just <laughs> a couple of developers over a weekend said, be cool if we get this work. Oh, mm. wow, it works. Wow, it's a lot of fun. We should ship it with us. Well, there's those, and then there's the ver- the version that's like, Zone of the Enders and Enter the Matrix, where it's like, Mm -hmm. this won't make the game any better, but it sure is stupid. Yeah, right? (laughs) And that's worth something. That's worth something, yep. (laughs) So yeah, like, the multiplayer is going to be one of the features that's most pointed to for the success of this game. Like, much like GoldenEye's, like, Mm -hmm. multiplayer is also like, hey, this is the reason why this game was successful. Like, like, reviewers are going to look at this and be like, man, yeah, it's it's really fun to play for friend, which mm-hmm. I imagine everyone's single track being like, boy, I'm really glad we put that in. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, the second thing that happened, though, is not so good. Mm. So when the single track developers left Evans and Sutherland and formed their own studio, they not only took their technical know-how with them, but uh-huh. also the fact that they're very Mormon. Now, uh... they ended up being OK with the whole violence aspect of the game. Mm-hmm. But one thing they couldn't get behind was sex. Yeah, no, that's 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 the real heart. That is the true border mm. to hell right there. That is the true border to the hell in this game where our main antagonist is more or less the right hand of Satan. <laughs> 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 so, Alex, this game was supposed to feature full motion video cutscenes. Okay. And god, they are amazing. Uh Next episode, I'm going to be showing you some of them because they are they're so good. They are so good. Mm-hmm. They're not in Twisted Metal. They ended up being part of like develop like a developer commentary thing for I think Twisted Metal head on like uh-huh. literally over a decade later. Mm. And each like playable character was supposed to have their own ending like FMV sequence. Uh-huh. And every ending would feature the main bad guy Calypso granting the wishes of the player as he is surrounded by a bunch of ladies in bikinis. These were all filmed and were ready to be inserted in the game when the developers at Single Track found out and raised such a stink that Sony had no choice but to cut them all out at the last minute. So they're like, okay, I guess these are just not going to be in there anymore. And so instead, what happens is that a text crawl shows up after the game was completed, explaining what would happen instead over like gameplay mm-hmm. footage. It looks so lame, so low budget. Right. And it's sad because the cutscenes are so... I mean, they're bad, but they're so good. Right, right. I'm, yeah, that is a true tragedy. Mm. However, it might have saved the game a lot more trouble in the end. 
It probably did. Like if much as I would have loved for them to actually be in the game, it mm-hmm. I could see I could see somebody pointing and laughing at those and like maybe making it seem lamer than it was, or as we would see with other games that have a lot of FMV in it, like mm-hmm. and scantily clad women, like how people be like pointed as like, oh, these video games are decadent and all, all that, that sort of stuff. That's the main thing I'm thinking about is like, boy, can you imagine if soccer mom found out that her child's violent car slaughter game had videos of women in bikinis? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they she would probably be up in arms. Most likely. Mm-hmm. Call your senator. Call your senator. I, I had to explain boobs to my child. Yes. Yeah, so it probably is for the best that these didn't quite get out but yeah it is such a weird thing that happened at the last minute because it's like boy you figured you just make sure that they were cool with having to like actually do the programming to insert these mm-hmm. cutscenes in but well this is sony and you had 12 months so i, yeah, I guess like so i whatever. get it despite all these problems alex twisted metal is going to be released alongside warhawk on november 10th 1995 and it's gonna be huge it's gonna immediately sell over a million copies and make an like it's gonna make an estimated like twenty eight million dollars within the first year of its release mm-hmm. alone, which uh, all right, it's gonna make twenty more than twenty eight times its own budget. Yeah, <laughs> not bad. Pretty <laughs> good. I'd call that a success. Mm-hmm. The game was also critically well received, uh, with most reviewers giving it the equivalent of an eight point five out of a ten, which I'd say that's probably fair for that game around that time. Yeah, yeah, it seems about accurate. What I think is ridiculous is Electronic Gaming Monthly going so far to call it 1995's Game of the Year, <laughs> which they're wrong, but... Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, wait, yeah, 1995, mm, yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of the games I'd rather play in that year, but, you know, whatever. It mm. is the cool hot thing, had 3D graphics, things exploded, I get it. Yeah. So... Huge success, and right away, Sony's like, oh, we gotta capitalize on this, because mm-hmm. Warhawk's not doing well. Uh, nope. we need, we're gonna greenlight a sequel, uh, and nearly one year later, we're gonna put out Twisted Metal 2 in 1996, a game that's somehow even better than the original, even bigger success. Um, it's, it's amazing that this only took a year to come out as well, and like, yeah. much, much bigger scope, like, it plays a lot better than Twisted Metal, let me mm-hmm. tell you. Uh, actually has ending cutscenes that admittedly are done in like comic book style. It's the laziest FV of like, here's a still image with like a person talking about it. And then here's another still image with like, right. another person talking. It's right. really, really bad. But, but yeah, like it was a huge success. And now Sony had a potentially huge franchise on their hands, a success that unlike other franchises on the PlayStation, such as crash bandicoot and later spiral of the dragon, they wholly own. Like this is. <laughs> wow. For them. Yeah. However, Alex, there's going to be one problem with this. Mm-hmm. The games weren't developed in-house, and they didn't own the developer single track. Remember that? Mm. Remember that little pin I said mm-hmm. to put in the wall about single yep. track being independent? Mm-hmm. Time to pull that one down. Yep. Because in 1997, single track is going to be bought by publisher GT Interactive. Mm. This is going to be a problem because they are... Because of two things. One, GT Interactive is more than happy to publish games on other platforms. Right. That's problem number one. Problem number two is that Sony couldn't just contract the Twisted Metal franchise out to GT Interactive because GT Interactive had a policy that they had to be the publisher. Mm-hmm. 
And so because of that, they weren't going to cut Sony in and Sony wasn't going to cut them in. Right. And so because of that, single track is now completely out of the picture. Mm -hmm. Now, the second problem is that they don't have any access to, say, proprietary code for Twisted Metal because single track owns. Uh, Yes. Ah, yes. Ah, yes. So they're going to have to rebuild these games from the ground up. Which now gets into my favorite area of like, hey man, Twisted Metal was a foundational part of the PlayStation. It was a Mm -hmm. cornerstone of the PlayStation's launch. It launched a franchise that was huge for Sony. Mm -hmm. It is well regarded by many people. Many people have fond memories of it. Mm. It is part of the PlayStation's history. Mm Mm-hmm. Hey, Sony, could you re-release Twisted Metal if you wanted to? (laughs) I think if they were willing to pay some royalties, they could. (laughs) Because they have technically, as part of their PlayStation Classics, released this. Right. (laughs) But it is notable that there's, like, no compilation. And I don't think there's any way to play Twisted Metal right now that's not on the PlayStation 3. Right. So, hey, yeah, you own the IP. You mm-hmm. own the IP. Yeah. If you um <laughs> if you wanna, you know, put out Twisted Metal 2 and not have to pay somebody, you're gonna have to reverse engineer that code, buddy. <laughs> and nobody's gonna put that work in. No. <laughs> yeah, so Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is why Sony owns Blue Point now, probably. Mm-hmm. Oh, because yeah. if they if they ever need to say, hey, we need this game reverse engineered. Mm-hmm. Blue Point can actually do it. They can actually do it. Yeah, and it probably is informed on other deals that they've made with like Insomniac and Naughty Dog mm-hmm. and being like, listen, you might technically be independent, but we're going to make sure that we have ways to re-release these games later right. and also not have you just suddenly disappear on us and we're like, well, I guess, uh, I guess Uncharted <laughs> is now going to be developed by <laughs> this random studio over here. <laughs> You guys got this, right? Mm-hmm. You guys have the technical wizardry of Naughty Dog? No? <laughs> oh, that's bad. Mm. Yeah. 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 It, it's amazing that um it's amazing that this happened to Sony and also wholly unsurprising. Yeah, it is. It's like one of those things where you're like, "Wow, I can't believe how restrictive and totalitarian Nintendo is." Mm-hmm. And then you're like, "This is what happens if you're not that." Yeah. Yeah, they might just go, well, we just got acquired by this other company. No, you can't use our code. Bye. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to go make our own car combat game that's going to compete with yours now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so Sony's in a bit of a pickle, Neil's to say. Mm -hmm. But don't worry, Alex. By this point, and this point's 1997, they have finally built up their own internal development studio that was ready to take over. Hmm. It's a little studio by the name of 989 Studios. <laughs> Alex, I think you may agree with this next statement. Uh, uh-huh. I've never heard anyone say, man, 989 Studios developed my favorite games. No. <laughs> no. In fact, I would say the top two things you could say about 989 were, man, their logo and commercials really sucked. And <laughs> two, wow, they really ruined NFL game day. <laughs> now, this is an unfair characterization, uh, 
because before being known as 989, they were Sony Interactive Studios America, mm-hmm. and they actually did develop good games under that brand. Mm-hmm. But when you saw their logo, you just kind of knew you were in for a rough time. Yeah. Reason why 989 doesn't exist anymore. And to be even more fair, once again, with Twisted Metal 3 and later Twisted Metal 4, they're going to have a really rough time developing this because they're going to have to build a car combat game from the ground up Mm -hmm. from a company that has never built a car combat game. And there's also another reason as well, and this is something that's more of a victim of Twisted Metal's success, something that's out of the hands of 989. Mm -hmm. They just weren't the only game in town anymore. Right. One thing that we really haven't talked about before this is well, about the car combat genre. And part of the reason why we didn't was because, quite frankly, it didn't exist before Twisted Metal came on the scene. Right. Like, now, this isn't to say that similar games hadn't already existed. Like, Mario Kart's battle mode is superficially similar, for instance, and Mm -hmm. the concept of a destruction derby has been a thing for decades at this point. Right. And destruction derby games did exist. In fact, one came out roughly 20 days before the original Twisted Metal by Psygnosis. Uh, but those were in the spirit of, well, actual destruction derbies, not this like arena based car combat game. Right. And that ended up being Twisted Metal's big claim to fame and one that by 1997, quite a few companies were either making one of those, uh, such as Activision's Vigilante 8 and Interstate 76, or at least were in the spirit of those games, such as Stainless Games' Carmageddon. The point being is that you couldn't just put out a Twisted Metal game and expect success based on novelty alone, which is going to make it really unfortunate that Twisted Metal 3 and 4 are not good games. Mm -hmm. They were not critically well-received. They didn't sell well. Well, Twisted Metal 3 sold over a million copies. Uh, Twisted Metal 4 did not. Mm. And no matter how much Rob Zombie you add to Twisted Metal 4, it's not going to make it sell particularly well either. No. It should also be noted that David Jaffe wasn't involved in either of these games. He was supposed mm-hmm. to helm development of Twisted Metal 3, but didn't at the last minute for some reason. And it's yeah. just in the special thanks credits mm. for that. And there's no mention of him in 4. And once again, one person doesn't make a game, but there's a lot of his creative da- DNA that's going to be all over this. And I'm sure it didn't help that he wasn't involved. Right. So it's clear that Sony had to go back to the drawing board and reboot Twisted Metal for the PlayStation 2. Like, they clearly still thought this could be something Mm. that's going to be a success for them. And luckily for Sony, uh, when Single Track is going to go defunct in uh, the year 2000, a bunch of people from Single Track are going to form a new studio called Incognito Entertainment. Mm. Now, this studio is going to be held by David Jaffe, and they're going to make a new game called Twisted Metal Black. Mm. At least in 2001 for the PlayStation 2. So... The aesthetic of Twisted Metal up to this point has been basically over-the-top cartoonish violence, I would say. Like, really of the era of, like, image comics, of, like, you know, everyone's teeth is just, like, a straight white line, um, and, like, there's a lot of explosions everywhere, the colors are kind of garish to an extent, and everyone has long hair. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh... Twisted Metal Black is going to be a gritty, dark reboot. So now everyone's going to have shaved heads and tortured backstories. Uh-huh. Yeah. And also, I think it's going to be very dark and brown. Mm-hmm. So instead of being a violent cartoon, it's now going to be literally every video game from the early 2000s. So also, it's going to have a much smaller focus. Twisted Metal originally started with uh, 
the battleground being Los Angeles, and it expanded out to be the entire world for later games. This is going to go back to being just in a unnamed, undescript city. Uh, and so, like, the craziness is going to be toned down from 11 to more like a 6 to a 7. And in general, they're just going to be trying to have this game about a flaming clown man trying to get a wish from the devil uh, be a little bit more grounded. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah you know, it's funny because uh, Flaming Clown Man's car, uh, when he gets like a special power, uh, turns into a robot, mm-hmm. which is yeah. actually cool. I it actually is. do think that's legitimately cool. Mm-hmm. Now, fans and critics are going to respond very well to this. Uh, this game's going to have a 91 out of 100 on Metacritic. Mm. Uh, and it's also very clear that they're going to be targeting this for a more quote unquote mature audience. Because mm-hmm. one, this is the first game in the series that's somehow, somehow the first game in the series that has an M rating. Like previous games had just somehow been like teen or I think right. back in 1995, whatever the teen category was for the ESRB. Uh, and a second was <laughs> they actually gave review copies to Playboy and Maxim. Right. I remember that. And I really, oh, I really wanted to get Playboy's review for this, but unfortunately, it just, I could not find it in time for this. (laughs) And I was so sad because I bet it's a terrible review for this game. I'm sure. Maybe if I can find it by the time next episode rolls around, we'll start off with that because if it's particularly funny, but, Mm. but yeah, they, they had them both review it and it's just like, oh God, right, Maxim. Yeah. Such a stupid magazine. It was. So... This ended up being a very successful game for them, and it started what was basically a twisted middle of renaissance, for lack of a better word. Something that sounds real dumb when you remember the first game came out just six years prior, but it is Mm -hmm. true. Sony immediately attempted to capitalize on the success, contracting an animated studio to do webisodes based on the game, uh, which I have not watched yet, but I plan to. (laughs) Um... Having the development team get started not only on a sequel, but the but a spin-off game for the original PlayStation called Small Brawl. And this game even led to persistent rumors of a Twisted Metal TV series that I'm sure a streaming service will not pick up out of sheer desperation for content. Totally. Definitely not. Definitely not. Get it announced at the Game Awards this year. That doesn't look good, Peacock. Uh... What are you doing? <laughs> We saw what Netflix did with Resident Evil and we said that was a success. Let's do that too. <laughs> with a concept that's dumber. Oh my god. I actually have a Peacock subscription because I have Xfinity. I cannot wait to not watch this series. It's is I want them to go the I'm trying to think the the Doom movie route of <laughs> what? It's not the devil. It's not hell. It's Genetic experiments gone wrong. Yeah, that's all that is. Yeah, it's just this devil man. He's just really he's really well connected. That's how he's able to give you your ironic wishes or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. And and Pennywise is is a mutant. Or Pennywise, fucking sweet tooth. <laughs> he's a mutant. He has the flaming hair mutation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just what he has. That's why his hair looks like it's on fire or something. I don't know. It's, it's not actually on fire. It's just like tumors that he paints like fire. Yeah, there we that's, go. That's why we don't need to spend the money CGIing fire onto his head. Mm-hmm. Because this already costs us apparently seventy-four million dollars to do. So to do what? That's a great question, Alex. To do are, what? You you dress up cars like garbage and then have them race around real fast. 
We're going to find out in three weeks what $74 million buys you. <laughs> it's going to be bad, I'm sure. Honestly, $74 million is too much money to spend buying nothing because it can't buy you anything. Yep. Yeah. Like, that's an amount of money you shouldn't spend because it's not enough to get something good and you can get something bad for cheaper. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I have no hope for that series. Oh, God. So... It seems like, Alex, at this point in 2001, we're going to have more Twisted Metal content than we can possibly stomach. Except the future, that future is not going to come to pass. No, because like I'm sitting here thinking, wait, what, what happened with Twisted Metal after Black? And I feel like the answer is nothing. The answer is going to be more than you think, but also somehow less than you would think. Mm -hmm. So reasons are not entirely clear. The development behind Twisted Metal is going to become quite troubled. So... Uh, Sony's going to immediately greenlight uh, Twisted Metal Black 2, later named uh -huh. Twisted Metal Harbor City. But sometime around 2003, it's just canceled. Nobody really right. knows why, but it's just canceled. Uh, we know that Jaffe left the project sometime before development stopped, and he mm -hmm. instead went on to helm the 2005 Twisted Metal game for the PlayStation P, a PlayStation Portable, uh, Twisted Metal Head On. Mm. which that would later be released for the PlayStation 2 in 2008. Head-On's a weird game because it's a story sequel to Twisted Metal 2, of all things. Okay, sure. It's also notable because it has the answer to why Twisted Metal Harbor City was canceled. Uh-huh. You see, the PlayStation 2 version includes a bunch of special features, such as the cool FMVs that got cut out from the first Twisted Metal game. Uh-huh. Um, as well as, like, incomplete levels that were going to be in Harbor City that you could just drive around in and play, which is actually kind of neat. Uh, sure. As, and a really dumb on-foot sequence where he plays the main character Sweet Tooth and find out about his <sighs> hidden tortured psyche and stuff. This was the era of dumb on-foot missions in vehicular games, wasn't it? It really is, yeah. It's fun because he moves, like, a kind of, like, fast motion, but he doesn't move fast enough, so he's just, like... It's like he's jumping everywhere in a really uh -huh. awkward way. It's, it's, it's really janky. I love it. So, hidden in all this, though, is the reason why Harbor City was canceled. Mm -hmm. It turns out, Alex, that multiple members of the development team died in a plane crash, and they couldn't complete the game because of that. Because now the game was basically haunted or something. Wait, is, that, is any of that true? No, of course not. It's bullshit. They just they just put lies in the game. They just lied about why this <laughs> game was canceled for some reason. I, they were they were just like our employees died, but no, they didn't. No, they didn't. Here's this development photo of like all these developers who died. J.K. They didn't because you would have known about a plane crash that right. killed like twenty developers. I'm pretty sure that would have made some sort of news. Pretty sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's. I don't know why they that other than just give weird mystique to this canceled twisted metal game that really just meant that the next twisted metal game would come out two years later than expected like whatever it's really really stupid like i don't i don't exactly know why they did that really the reason why it was canceled is probably because sony probably wanted to put the resources towards another project and they wanted to do a twisted metal game on the playstation portable instead right and probably because uh David Jaffe himself was going to be quite busy because... Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, because as part of his uh, being shockingly important at Sony, 
he's going to be helming the uh, uh, the project uh, God of War. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, turns out I always always forget that he was the creative director for God of War. <laughs> he sure was. Which going back to what you were talking about about like you know if you look at pe- people who started playing video games when they were kids, you mm-hmm. know, with Mario, the time Twisted Metal came out, they would have been like young teens in that perfect demographic. Yeah. And God of War is once again that situation of, okay, if people started those people and also people who started playing on like the N64, you know, playing Mario 64, mm-hmm. Star Fox would now be getting into their teenage years and want something more mature and edgy. And yeah, once again, David Jaffe's got you covered. Oh, yes. He is going to make sure his game starts out with a threesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Guess what? There's actually boobs in my game. You can actually see them. Yeah. No more putting Laura Croft under a waterfall to make it seem <laughs> like her top is gone when it's just the colors are just kind of funky. We actually, we actually got the goods here. Boy, speaking about Mormon things to do. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Not wrong, though. Not wrong. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Once again, when I say that David Jaffe, like, like really has, like, his fingerprints all over these mm-hmm. series, it's like, yeah, okay, no. Because you, you can still really see does. it in God yep. of War. Yeah. Which, granted, mm-hmm. God of War, great game. Good game. Yeah. Can't. Legitimately fun game to play. Mm-hmm. Legitimately fun. Yes. And once again, important to the PlayStation brand to this day. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah, the point is, is that it, it seems like there were just things that were going on with Twisted Yeah, Man, I mean, like, know? honestly, it seems like, okay, probably just Jaffe and probably a lot of his team just moved to God of War, and Sony mm-hmm. was like, yeah, Devil May Cry's hot, do that. Yeah, sounds good to me. Yeah, and so, well, we, we don't know what exactly is going on with Twisted Metal at this point, but we know that it isn't quite dead yet. Mm-hmm. Jaffe's going to come back for one last ride on the PlayStation 3. Alex, have you ever seen the E3 presentation that announced uh, God of War? Uh, not God of War, uh, Twisted Metal for the PlayStation 3? I feel I must have seen it. Oh, do, do you want to see it again? I, I do want to see it because it has slipped out of my memory. All right. I'm I'm really hoping this sparks my memory and I didn't just... I, cause I couldn't have missed this. Yeah. All right. It should be live for you. Hey everyone, this is Michael from the future. Kind of uh, remembering now to actually describe the clip that you're about to see. Figured I could remember this is an audio-only podcast, but uh, apparently not. Anyways, what happens in this clip, which you can watch via the show notes that should be right under the podcast episode. Basically what happens is that at E3 2010, at Sony's press conference, uh, it basically opens up with two New York cab drivers talking about the best possible car combat game out there. What was the greatest thing out there? As they have like a really, really dumb argument about that. Eventually, the cabbies like part ways. One of them throws their cigar off into the street that somehow becomes a computer cigar now. And then Sweet Tooth shows up, picks it up, tells his weird clown gang that to light them up, boys. And then we actually cut to the stage uh, that's present. It at E3, where we see an actual ice cream truck drive out with an actor playing Sweet Tooth while heavy metal music plays, and then he just sits there and kind of revs the engine awkwardly for a bit, and 
two developers, one of them being David Jaffe, comes out to give a kind of mild presentation about the game. Once again, you can watch this in the show notes below and listen to our reactions to it uh, right about now. Yeah, this this opening is so, so stupid. Hopefully you can hear that, okay? Where was the skill? Yeah. Where was the strategy? I mean, shoot, drive, shoot, drive, nothing. Those games yeah, I remember this. Yeah. You're racing in a city, going 100 miles per hour. Everything as you go. I absolutely Speed, love this strategy, because they have skill. actors basically Those going like, awesome. actually, these games Maybe are kind of old and sucked. Day, <laughs> Look, you name me one car combat game, one car combat game that was as good on PlayStation 1, kicked ass on PlayStation 2, and kicked even more ass on PS3. The ultimate ass kicking. Name it. Uh, That's right. You can't do it because it doesn't exist. Get back to work, <laughs> punk. Oh, Car combat games suck. Don't make a new one for the PlayStation 3. What's wrong with you? Punk. <laughs> Freaking CGI cigar. Yeah, the CGI cigar is really great. We couldn't just film a cigar. It had to be a CGI cigar. <laughs> so this CGI clown man can show up and pick it up. God, I forgot about the freaking Sweet Tooth Gang. Yeah, the Sweet Tooth Gang! <laughs> this is maybe my favorite part, though. And also the reason why I miss stage shows so much. I miss E3. Every time I see this stupid crap, I'm like, God, we need E3 back. Oh, we really do. Here's this guy we hired to be Sweet Tooth! <laughs> and here's these two schlubs. Boy, we could really work hey, without the I'm flaming hair, huh? Yeah. Scott Campbell, and we're the co-founders of Eat Sleep Play. Okay, that's that's good. We don't we don't need to watch yeah, any more of that. We, need we need a version of E3 where they. Do we need the ultimate version of E3 where they don't actually show any games. They just engage in stupid publicity stunts for three hours at a time. Yeah, we we really do. We really, really do. And like one of my favorite things about that is um uh is like the they have this whole thing like a oh, sweet tooth coming out in his like car mm -hmm. and whatnot. And it's like, yeah, look at how extreme this is, man. He's got a machete. And then like David Jaffe and another dude just walking out like, oh, hey, how's it going? Yeah, hey, we're, we're here. We're developers. We, we make that game you like. Yeah, we, well, I'm going to drop an F-bomb right now. Here's this cool game. <laughs> I, I love I love that e E3 used to be that. Yeah. Oh, uh, but yeah, it, people were excited about this, Alex. <laughs> the game promised yeah. to return to the good old days of Twisted Metal. Alongside yeah. a heavier focus on online multiplayer modes and a story that explored the psyche of Sweet Tooth. I, I, I don't understand why they're so hooked on the psyche of Sweet Tooth. The thing is, is that I think this is the part where maybe we're like out of touch because maybe there's a lot of articles that I have found of like, let's talk about how Sweet Tooth is one of the greatest villains ever. And it's like, what? Is he a villain even? Like, I guess. Is he an anti-hero? I'm not really sure. Half the time I have to enter a complicated button code to unlock him. 
Yeah. I I also refuse to take it on faith that I'm out of touch simply because a lot of articles <laughs> of video game journalism tell me that I am. Yeah, right. <laughs> there are certain fields of journalism that I'll be like, okay, yeah, I don't know anything. Yeah. Video game journalism isn't one of them. Yeah, you know, a good point. <laughs> Especially the state of it now, but... yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's people. There was a subsection of people who, for one reason or another, really wanted to know more about Sweet Tooth, and this game promised to deliver. Yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> and boy, Sony was really behind this game. Like, there was a ton of commercials that are all terrible. They're mm. all terrible commercial with actual actors in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just you know a lot of like you know press. Uh, like press uh, interviews that Jaffe gave um, just like a lot of advertisement was behind this, including a God, a really, 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 really stupid advertisement. So Alex, for two days, mm-hmm. as announced by David Jaffe, uh, it driving sweet Tooth's car or ice cream truck out into the middle of the desert <laughs> while dropping a bunch of F bombs. He's like, Hey man, you know what would be fucking cool? We're gonna, what are we doing out in this fucking desert? We're gonna, I'm gonna shoot the Sweet Tooth's car with this gun. And I do remember this. Yeah, and for two days you could remotely activate a a machine gun to shoot at an ice cream truck in the middle of the desert. For some reason. Sure, man. It like nowadays they just give the game to a streamer and just pay him some money and say just say our game's good. Back then, they had to get creative, Alex. The PS3 was the heyday of, like, how stupid Mm. can we make? Listen, Acclaim is gone. That (laughs) crown is up for grabs. Yeah, yeah. And we can grab it. I mean, I don't know how we could top having people name themselves Turok, but... (laughs) No, name your baby Turok. You're right, you're right. That's right. An unwilling participant getting... You're not... Yeah, you're not even doing it to yourself. You're doing it to an infant. (laughs) Yeah, or, like, maybe we could just pay off everybody's, like, speeding fines and encouraging speed or something for... Forgive those burnout or something. It was an impossible dream, but many dreamt it. Many tried. Many tried so hard. Oh, man... So but much they money. Were, but they were mostly bound by the limits of legality. Mostly, yeah. I'm sure if Activision could have convinced the US military to give them F-16, they would have <laughs> convinced like convinced them to allow like some idiot in a contest to go up an F-16 and like bomb a random part of Nevada. Yeah, probably. Like it would have happened. But yeah, no. Unfortunately, nobody could ever top a claim. But they tried. Yeah, Sony tried, tried for half a second. Sony's during the PS3 strikes me as very much them trying to run business the way they ran it during the PS2 era mm-hmm. and slowly coming to the realization that it wasn't going to work anymore. Yeah, yeah. Probably well after they realized, oh, geez, we are not selling nearly as much as the 360 right now. Yeah, ooh, boy. Ooh, we need to figure this out. We need to tighten things up. <laughs> Less PlayStation wine glasses, more maybe good games. Yeah, that might help. <laughs> Twisted Metal will save us. It did not save them. It did not, no. So, Alex, upon its release in 2012, Twisted Metal 
which is what it's called. It's just a, uh-huh. yep, just yep. called Twisted Metal. Twisted, yeah. Uh, was released and it was a good car combat game. Yeah. Unfortunately, it was a car combat game. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> you will be shocked to know this did not light the world on fire. It did not. And I. Turns out I, random New York cabbie was right. Yeah. I, I understand because it's like an established franchise with a built-in fan base and like I'm sure you can do fun things but mm-hmm. like there were other car combat games in that era and like it doesn't matter how good they were. Yeah. There were two full auto games and they were both really fun mm-hmm. and they did not sell. They did not, no. Yeah, it's like the beat 'em up genre. Like, you know, people yeah. moved on. Like, yeah, you innovated in a space in a really important way that was really successful for for your parent company, but it's done now. I'm sorry. Yeah. There's, no matter how many people nowadays say they want a twisted metal, nobody's gonna buy a twisted metal. No. It's done. And it, so basically they didn't sell a whole lot of these copies. And while we don't know how many it did overall, it should be noted that the developers, Eat Sleep Play. Uh, isn't going to be an ongoing concern for much longer after this, <laughs> and Jaffe himself is going to leave the company shortly after this the release for, quote-unquote, creative differences. Mm. Creative differences presumably being code for, this game didn't sell, so you mm-hmm. and a bunch of developers need to leave. Right. The difference is, uh, I wanted to make more of these games, and they did not. Yeah. And so, that's kind of the state of Twisted Metal, the series, up to this point. Uh, to put a bit of a coda on things, uh, David Jaffe is going to go on to form a new company called the Bartlett Jones Supernatural Detective Agency, and yeah, they would makes sense. they would develop the game Drawn to Death for the PlayStation Four. Oh boy! An arena shooter that had the aesthetic of a teenager drawing extreme oh, doodles in a notebook. Oh my god! You remember I, this game now, do you? I, don't you? I remember the trailer for this game now it had fled my memory and it probably should have stayed out of there but i have unfortunately crammed it back in because boy oh boy this is a game that really committed to its art style and mm-hmm. it definitely shows that javi had one mode of mindset when it came to his creative fight process mm-hmm. of like teenagers <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much and like i don't i, I presume kids still like doodle and like you know, margins of like their papers and whatnot, or books and whatnot, mm-hmm. and, like do stupid stuff. But like, it definitely had a real feeling of like late '90s, early 2000s. Because yeah, I did that exact thing. Yeah. Uh, it was also very edgy and not funny and really, really dumb. Uh, yeah. And basically, people picked up on that fact right away. Uh, mm-hmm. In a in a move, I'm sure that went over well. Like David Jaffe actually is part of the promotion released a response video where you read like negative comments about the art style and mm-hmm. ended the video by telling those people to go fuck themselves. Yeah, that that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you will not be surprised to know that this video is now private on YouTube. Mm-hmm. But funnily enough, a video published by Sony that has David Jaffe talking about taking neg- negative feedback to heart when it came to comes to making better video games uh, is available to view. Okay. Mm-hmm. I can only guess why that exists. Mm-hmm. Point is, the game came out with a thud in 2017. Jaffe got into a bunch of online fights about it, and nowadays he's more or less out of the game development side of, ga- of the gaming industry. He now mostly just mm-hmm. commentary via his Twitch stream and Twitter, though he does do some consulting work on the side. Twisted Metal itself has not had a new entry since 2012, although every year there are persistent rumors of a new game coming around the corner, and fans themselves seem convinced this will happen any day now, 
In the same way, it Nintendo is... fans are convinced that Gino will end up in Smash Brothers someday. <laughs> that is literally every franchise that's been dormant for more than five years is, mm-hmm. I hear they're making a new one. No. Yeah. No, they're not. Until they are, they're not. Yeah. Yeah. D- do not do not trust get video game companies. They will bring it back when it is convenient for them. Mm-hmm. And even then, it may never come back. Unless it's a Warhawk game. In which case, I guarantee you Sony will do one in five years. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> Yeah, so regardless, Twisted Metal is now dead. Except then the Game Awards happened this year, and as we mentioned earlier, there's now going to be a TV show. Once again, I it's going to be bad. You shouldn't it's, watch it. I'm gonna, I'm, maybe I'll watch it. I'm not going to watch it. Uh, I'm, I'm sure clips will cross my vision, and I'll be like, boy, that looks really bad. Yeah, yeah, there's going to be probably a lot of sweet tooth being extreme. It's going to be probably. <sighs> but yeah, that's the state of Twisted Metal nowadays. And next time, Alex, we're going to be talking about the plot of these games. But uh, in the meantime, how are you feeling? Uh, yeah, you know, I'm I'm mainly at this point just excited to hear what the plot of this arena based car shooter whose primary focus is multiplayer even mm-hmm. is. Mm hmm. Oh yeah, it's um, it's gonna be interesting in the sense of like they basically just wrote a genie story. <laughs> okay, which is not what I would have expected them to go with, but okay. Yeah, but that's what they did. Yeah, sure. It, yeah, that and more and more contrivances to s- somehow get away with the idea that cars can just randomly terrorize cities, blowing things up. But yeah, that's gonna be for next time. Alex, do you have any final thoughts before we sign off? I miss Wipeout. Yeah, me too. That's my only thought is, man, all this never-ending talk of Twisted Metal, can, mm. we just, can we just get a new Wipeout, please? Wipeout was so cool. Wipeout's so good. The, the, those PSP and later poured the PS3 and then PS4 game, like, they're just good. Yeah. Those are good racing games. Solid racing games with just a solid idea behind them. Yeah, I... I mean, it it just gets up there with those, like, we need a new futuristic car game. Like, just give yeah. us a new F-Zero. Like, yeah. either F-Zero or Wipeout. I'll play either one. Yeah, any hover car racing, mm-hmm. please. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I will take a new Extreme G at this point. You know, I was about to mention Extreme G, <laughs> but I was not going to go that far. Okay, well, I will. <laughs> I'll do it for you. All right, somebody has to. <laughs> wonder who owns the rights to that. I have probably literally no one. We can I make assume everyone G. looked at that and said, nah. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> we are not touching that. No. Yeah. I wonder if Kinetica is still around as an IP. Might be. It might just be. Well, Alex, thank you so much for doing this with me as always. Of course. And you, the viewer at home, if you want to listen to more episodes about weirdly extreme video game franchises, you can go to ftp.podbean.com or search for Fallen Through Potholes on your podcast service of choice. Uh, leave us a follow and and a review. We do enjoy listening to feedback. Unlike David Jaffe, we will not tell you to go fuck yourself. Uh, unless is, it's funny. Unless it's funny, yes. Unless we can somehow make it funny, in which case we, we might. But, you know, we might. It, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But in the meantime, take care, y'all. Take care.